0: Bibles for our first reading to Galatians chapter 2. Verse 1. Hear now the inerrant, infallible, and inspired word of God. Then, 14 years after, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, and took Titus with me also. And I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And that, because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privily, to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage, to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. But of these who seemed to be somewhat, whatsoever they were, it maketh no matter to me, God accepteth no man's person. For they who seemed to be somewhat, in conference, added nothing to me. But, contrariwise, when they saw that the gospel to the uncircumcision was committed unto me, as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter, for he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, "...perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship, that we should go unto the heathen, and they unto the circumcision. Only they would that we should remember the poor, the same which I also was forward to do. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face, because he was to be blamed." For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel... I said unto Peter before them all, If thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even We have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid... For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For through, for I through the law am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me. And gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law. Then Christ is dead in vain. May God add his blessing to the reading and hearing. Of his most holy word. So in this chapter Paul continues his biographical work. uh, With regard to the Galatian churches. That is those churches that were founded on his First missionary journey, and so here we have then this very interesting thing. Notice that there are details that are revealed here in Galatians two of the Jerusalem Council in Acts fifteen that are not revealed there in Acts. You won't find uh, there the coming of Titus. So some have have said that this was really some other time that Paul visited. Jerusalem not really known uh, to the book of Acts. Luke didn't record it in other words. Uh, some have said that. It's not my view. My, my understanding is that you know, this, this timing works very well. Fourteen years after Paul's conversion, he spent three years with the Lord as we learned last week. Now he is, he's spent some time uh, <clears throat> uh, in and around the apostles uh, Barnabas in chapter 11 of Acts collects him from, from his hometown, right, in Tarsus of uh, Phrygia. And so now it is time then for, for Paul to go out on, the, on that missionary journey uh, in Acts chapter 13. And then in 13 and 14 we see that. And then in the end of 14 we have this controversy which brings Paul and Barnabas back to Jerusalem. Although Titus is not mentioned there in Acts 15 or in Acts 14, I believe that we are still talking about the same circumstance here. Uh, You'll find that there are many commentators that will side with that view. But notice the interesting portion here. In verse 2, Paul says, I went up by revelation. Isn't that an interesting thing? And then next he says, having gone up by revelation i presented myself privately first to those which are of reputation to see whether or not i had run in vain now let's draw some implications from that first of all we know what went on in the jerusalem council we have we point to that as one of the major pieces of the new testament that tell us how presbyterianism ought to work with regard to graded courts with regard to Uh, broader courts right with regard to elders settling things out and not apostles acting as apostles and so with that Paul says when we went up to Jerusalem we went up by revelation the Lord directed us there we might think why is it that Paul simply just didn't say in Antioch no you guys are wrong He he will describe those men as those who came in to spy out our liberty, which we had in Christ. They wanted to circumcise the the, uh, churches of Galatia. And Paul said, nope, not going to do that. Yes, we are. No, we're not. Yes, we are. No, we're not. And then Paul says, we went up by revelation. Instead of Paul simply ruling as an apostle, it was the revelation of Christ that they should go up to Jerusalem to decide that matter. So this is something that is very intentional. This is is how the apostle presents it. Of course, that's in keeping with our thesis of the book of Acts, right? That Jesus spoke to his disciples pertaining to the things of the kingdom of God. That they would know how to order the house of God, as Paul will tell Timothy later on. So, it's a very intentional going up to Jerusalem. That council is a very intentional council. And yet, note this, that Paul... Recognizing himself to be but a man, would say, When I got there, I didn't walk in swarthy um, uh, in charge like an apostle. I walked in to be interviewed privately by the elders that were there to make sure that I had not run in vain. Isn't that interesting? He went up by revelation, but when he got there, he behaved himself humbly among his fellow brethren. Why? Because Paul, although an apostle, he is often presented as this, you know, take no prisoners kind of guy. Not at all. Not at all. Paul would present himself uh, in proper order to the Jerusalem leadership there because he's a man and he can make a mistake. He can be deluded over his apostleship potentially. Oh, there's very little, you know, if we if, if we want to use the word chance of that, very little expectation that he would be wrong. And yet he presents himself humbly to the Jerusalem Council. And notice what he says, that they did not compel Titus to be circumcised. That was a good sign, wasn't it? Okay, so then we we come down to verses four and five. Remember how Paul steamed into this apostle, or sorry, to, to this epistle. He steamed into it with very strong words. Now he, he relates those strong words again. When they perverted the gospel there in, in Antioch, trying to have the, the Gentile churches circumcised, we didn't give them place for an hour. And for an hour. Understand that in our parlance, not for a second, not for a nanosecond, did we put up with that. No way. That the truth of the gospel might continue with you, the Galatian churches. If we would have come to you with a with a moil, with a with a with a man who circumcises, that would have been to strike against the gospel of Christ. Instead. We said, no, we're not going to tolerate that, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. So then in verses 6, 7, and 8, we see that Paul was received by the Jerusalem council, that they recognized the gifts that he was indeed sent for um, for the uncircumcised to preach the gospel among them in the same way that Peter was was set up uh, to preach to the Jews by Christ. So they extended the right hands of fellowship to Barnabas and myself. Notice Barnabas, that name, that is a Jewish name, right? It means the son of consolation or the son of comfort, Bar-navi. And so they, they, so in other words, Barnabas was a Jew sent to Gentiles. Paul was a Jew sent to Gentiles. Right? Now, maybe we should talk about that for just a moment here. If Paul was sent to the Jews, sorry, to the Gentiles, Peter to the Jews, where were the rest of the twelve sent? The Bible doesn't tell us. Why then are Peter and Paul mentioned in this connection? So that we would know that there was indeed apostleship that extended to the Jews, and apostleship that extended to the Gentiles, that Messiah is the Messiah for all men. Right? And so it doesn't really matter where the rest of the apostles were sent by Christ. Um, tradition tells us that Thomas was, say, in India. There's, a, there's a, the remnants of a church there, and, and, and they have you know Thomas as their, as their apostle that they point to, and other men went other directions. But let's make sure that we recognize that this was not a hard and fast distinction. Haven't we read in Acts chapter 10 that Peter was first sent to Gentiles? cornelius and so on haven't we read also that paul whenever he went into a town started in the synagogue so let's make sure we get that let's make sure we understand that that while peter may have spent a lot of time in jerusalem although james is said to be the one who is in charge there as the as the the chief pastor if you will still we we see peter uh, uh, as the apostle to the Jews and then coming to Antioch, right? And then that's verse 11. Just before we get to chapter, sorry, verse 11, we hear that that, um, that both the Jerusalem leadership and Paul himself, they were all uh, very forward to remember the poor within their midst. Okay. All right. So with that, then we move on to chat, to to verse eleven, and now we have this confrontation between Peter and Paul. It's not a confrontation that is a quote personality conflict or anything silly like that. This is not simply uh, uh, you know somebody flexing or anything like that. It is indeed once again the same. Uh, topic, and notice how Paul is staying in the in the same lane here. He begins the letter with with uh, with vehemence pertaining to the gospel. He continues on in chapter two, uh, especially at the beginning. This is why we went to Jerusalem. And now here with Peter, when Peter was come to Antioch, the topic is still the same. And so Peter was happy eating any kind of food. He had had that revelation, that vision from God in Acts chapter 10 already. He he was eating with Gentiles, and that didn't bother his conscience. But then notice, quote, men came from James. That is, uh, James Alpheus, who we see in Acts 15, seeming to behave himself as the moderator of that meeting. And so it's said that they came from James, James as a part for the whole. And what happened? As soon as the, the brethren from the Jerusalem church got there, Peter withdrew and would no longer eat with the Gentiles. He wanted to, as we say today, keep kosher with the rest of the Jews. And this was very confusing to the Gentile brethren. What does that mean? Because to do that is really to side up with that whole ceremonial law, which was indeed being put away. Remember that um, some of our divines uh, in the past have called the judicial laws of the, um, of the Jewish commonwealth, they have said that they are, uh, that we need to be careful how we enact them, we don't, want to, we don't want to receive them wholesale, but with regard to the ceremonial law, they called them deadly, right? The ceremonial law is deadly, beloved. We're going to read, Lord willing, in a few moments about the Passover. And it's being set up among the Jews. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. And so we don't go back to that well. We don't continue to celebrate those ceremonies that have their fulfillment and end in Christ, their telos. Why would we look at the sign when we've arrived at the destination? Right, And yet, Peter is going astray, looking at the sign once again. Why was this a, an, an especially egregious thing in the first century? Because, let's remember, Jews and Gentiles were now put into one body, Paul will say, in Christ. And so if we're doing those things that God has torn down, if that handwriting of ordinances has been torn down to make of the twain one new man... In the gospel of Jesus Christ, then Peter is separating that. And he's saying Jews have a way of salvation, and Gentiles have a way of salvation, and they're no longer one new man in Christ. And so the sin was a public sin. In fact, so public was it that even Barnabas was carried away with that dissimulation. Dissimulation is pretense the pretense that this is somehow right before God. And Barnabas was carried away with that. So we learn, don't we, about how important it is that any of us that are in leadership or authority or in any kind of example that we do what is right and we set a good example before one another. You older brothers and older sisters with regard to your younger brothers and sisters, you are indeed setting an example. Peter set an example that day that drew many aside potentially even from the truth we want to make sure that the example that we're setting is indeed according to christ and so it was a public sin now if it was a private sin paul would have taken him aside privately but the sin was committed publicly publicly Uh, some have looked at that and they've said oh well paul didn't really do matthew 18 so we don't need to do matthew 18 all the time apparently well, let's make sure that we keep things public and private that are already in that context. And so Paul, before them all, said, You know, we are Jews by nature. What that means is by practice and habit and upbringing. We've grown up eating kosher. We've grown up going to, uh, to the uh, synagogue on, on Saturday or even Friday evening. We have grown up doing these things. We have kept ourselves separate from the Gentiles. We know how to do all of that. And yet, Peter, you'll remember, won't you? That we failed at it miserably, didn't we? So why are we resurrecting that again? Why are we bringing that back up here? We know that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by... As it says here in your authorized version, the faith of Jesus Christ—not the faithfulness of Jesus Christ—but faith that finds its terminus upon Christ, the faith of Jesus Christ. In that way, it's what we call for, for, for you, language nerds. It's an ablative use of the genitive, ablative. That means it's it goes unto that person. Ab in the Latin. It's unto them. It's faith toward Christ. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. And notice how Paul has already used two particular things to put the part for the whole. Circumcision. Circumcision means what? Keeping the whole law. Dietary law. That means what? That means keeping the whole law. To touch a piece of it is to touch all of it. Or at least potentially to touch all of it. And so Paul says, no, not for an hour. What would stir Paul up to confront Peter publicly in such a way as that? That the gospel was at stake. Right? He would not tolerate the potentiality of soul murder. Now, we're not told about the latter half of this meeting, but we have some breadcrumbs in Scripture to help us. Peter, in, or toward the end of his life, will say some very complimentary things pertaining to the Apostle Paul. In Second Peter chapter 3, he will call the writings of Paul Scripture, which the unlearned and unstable twist or rest to their own destruction. We want to give heed to that, he will say earlier in that chapter. Right? This, is, this does not represent an estrangement between Peter and Paul. Actually, what this represents is love one toward another. There are times, beloved, when loving confrontation will be necessary. We must learn to receive such things, as no doubt Peter did here, the correction from his fellow apostle. And so, rather than Peter being quote the first pope, rather what we find in Peter is a what Peter calls himself to be, that is, a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ. All right, so then we have these wonderful gospel statements that finish out chapter 2. And so strong are they that there's a point at which in the very next chapter, again, violating that chapter break, Paul will begin chapter 3 by saying, Oh, foolish Galatians. Foolish Galatians. How foolish it is, beloved, to leave the free grace of the gospel for some sort of behavioral earning with god as paul told peter it didn't work for us when we were jews by nature how do we think it's going to work for the gentiles it's not going to work for anyone because through the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified In Romans chapter 3, he'll expand on that a little bit. He'll say, shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for through the law comes the knowledge of sin. He will say that again in chapter 3. He will call the law our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. The law is of use to the unregenerate and to the regenerate and to all men, as the larger catechism tells us, especially with regard to the unregenerate. To drive us out of ourselves to Christ. Right? So Paul will say a very controversial thing here. Some have completely misunderstood it. He will say, notice this is a very interesting turn of phrase. Through the law, I am dead to the law. I used the law in its right way. It showed me. As it should show you, Peter, that even as Jews by nature, we could not keep it. Through it was the revelation of sin. And so, now we are dead to the law. How? Dead to the law as a rule of life? Dead to the law as that telos for which to, to, uh, to set our effort? The standard toward which we strive? No. Not dead in that way, but certainly dead with regard to justification. Isn't that the context Paul is speaking of here? We're not justified by the law. And so in that sense, we're dead to the law. However, we're not dead to the law in the sense that there is no use of the law for those who are, who are indeed saved by the grace of Christ. And so it's necessary then that we understand Paul in that Proper context. Especially in what's going on in the confrontation with Peter, we see the effort there to set forth a merit righteousness system according to the law. And Paul will say, No, Peter, we're dead to that. We're absolutely dead to that. And if we take that up again, what are we doing? We're building up that which we have in Christ torn down. We cannot build out of those ruins and expect that superstructure that will be those golds that those pieces of gold, silver and precious stones rather that will be wood and hay and stubble or worse it will be the destruction it will be our destruction altogether so that's how chapter 2 ends i do not frustrate the grace of god for if righteousness is come by the law then christ is dead in vain and of course the other side of that argument is Christ is not dead in vain. Righteousness does not come by the law. Let's stand and call upon the Lord in prayer.